All right, everybody. Welcome back to, I think we're on up to episode 25 of Kente Corner. Uh, Bobby Bancroft here, as always, and someone everyone really, really likes to hear on the podcast. That's why we just keep having him back. Ben Standing from The Athletic. Did I, did I say your uh, last name right this time? I think so. Wait, people actually claim they like me? I don't really hear that often in my life. So you're yeah. saying that's nice. Yeah, no, back back by popular demand. You made it to the 25th episode. Isn't that like for wedding gifts? Isn't that like silver or something? I'm not really sure. I thought in, in Georgetown parlance, isn't like that the DiCaprio uh, uh, <laughs> episode? There was there was a rebound one time he didn't get in the Marquette game, but I'll we can get about that later. Um, it's Georgetown Syracuse week. They're not in the same conference anymore, but it's a really big deal. And it's such a big deal that Georgetown had its second media availability of the year. They haven't had a lot, but both of them, I think, have been really good. Ben, you were there along with a host of other people. What's sort of your main, uh, what's like your first takeaway from the uh, pre-Syracuse media avail? Wait, can I I just take us off the rails right off the bat here? Well, we already talked about Caprio, so I mean, yeah, but that that that's exactly like the the reason you're mentioning Caprio like in a moment was because he actually had to play one year because <laughs> like the way the roster was set up, like they, he was like the fourth card basically. Now that they've had this situation, as I mean, to to tie it in with the with the media veil, we'll get to specifics. The one thing Patrick Ewing said when asked if basically if everybody who's on the team now would still be on the team going forward, he his response was sounded kind of an ominous as of now. <laughs> so it brings me to the question of if somehow things got worse, and it could be just the basic flow of basketball and injury or foul trouble or whatever. Is there, what, what is the beyond, the beyond status? Like could George Mirasan actually, like have we seen anything from him to suggest even in the, like the random minutes he's played that he could actually come in and like be the Caprio for the, for this team? This is definitely a good way to start off Syracuse week. Um, or I guess it's not the start of the week, but this is a great way to preview. Yeah, um, yeah. They have they have a couple guys. Um, Jaden Robinson is a guard from uh, Baltimore. Been on, he's I think he's a sophomore now. Um, there's also a walk-on guard from California. He's actually got some pretty good height, 6'3", um, Azingi. Um, so there's a couple guys. There's also a couple scholarship players that haven't played yet this year. The, there's two um, two centers that haven't gotten on the court. All right. So the basic answer to your question is, if it gets to the point where we actually have to ask that question for real, the season's gone even more off the rails than it already has. That's, that's well, I mean, look, they were going 11 deep, which is pretty good. So they're even still at nine. But anyway, you were you were at the media veil. If anybody oh, wants to you look, want to talk like real stuff. Okay. Yeah. If anyone wants to look through the AP pictures from the media veil, Ben and Patrick Ewing are prominently featured. I got a good seat, like right, literally right next to the big man. Um, well, the next time you do that, you're going to, you're going to try to need to like, you know, really kind of like, sh- you know, put, dress <laughs> up. I like put my hat on straight, like look like an adult like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I literally walked in 20 seconds before it started and sat down, and uh, I, I didn't realize the level of my disheveledness. And to be really candid, 
I slept, I'm not exaggerating, 90 minutes the night before because I was working on my Mulan. So it was a lot going on, and then I didn't know I was going to be, be photographed. So, yeah, good times. Um, that's actually that. That's actually not what we consider sleep. That that that's basically a nap. Correct. Yeah, I took a nap over a, a one nap over a two day period. Um. Yeah, I don't know what your expectations were. I mean, so it, it, it's weird because a press conference like this, if it had been held prior to the Oklahoma State game, would have gone a lot differently. Even though, essentially, I mean, there's been a little bit of news on the whole situation involving the players that left the program or may, mainly LeBlanc combined with Galen Alexander and Gardner in terms of this other legal stuff and it looks like to a degree for the moment at least some of that has gone I, I don't know if I'll say go away but like it's we have a little sense that it's been settled and, and they, they have an agreement with it with the with the other party involved um, and we don't really have more of a sense about a Kinjo situation as to why he left but since then, they won two big games uh, on the road against two teams who are undefeated. Big, you know, big, big wins—not just winning, but by you know, blowout margins. And so, from, everybody kind of feels better, maybe too strong. But like, okay, wait, this is interesting now. From like a, how they resurrected themselves and things like that. So we didn't—we we talked some about what happened, not not a ton. And and so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I was glad that there were at least some questions about about the situation and, and uh, for both Patrick Ewing and the players. I'm sure we can get into that, but, uh, you know, it, it was, it, it's just weird how the timing worked. I mean, obviously nobody predicted that they were going to go win both games on the road. I, some people probably thought they would have lost both. I recall you and I were, when you were casual Hoya right after the, uh, the reports came out and, you know, the discussion of the season over. And I think you and I were saying no, but nonetheless, I don't think anybody was predicting those wins. So, I didn't quite know what to expect, but uh, it was interesting. It, it was sort of interesting to, to see how much it changed in like the ten days since that uh, those reports dropped. Yeah, I, I was really glad that we had the opportunity to talk to them um, outside of you know post game, you know basically mandatory um, you know post game stuff. Um, it was definitely an interesting scene just to let everyone know. Besides Ben showing up last minute and only taking a nap um there was like a huge basically a, a huge parade for the men's soccer team that was off to the final four college cup whatever you want to call it so in the thompson center like you know you've got all these media sitting in a room waiting for ewing and the kids to show up but outside there's basically like a pep rally in the hallways um going past the statue of john thompson jr on their way to Cary, north carolina i think they play stanford in the national semi on Friday night. Um, and there was way more media that was that, you know, obviously they weren't there for basketball reasons, even though the Syracuse game is a big deal. They were there, you know, to try and get some official, official, you know, video and audio of, you know, Ewing's stance on, you know, what, what sort of happened to his program in the last week. But after that, and they did this for the preseason media day as well. They brought in four players. They sat them down at a table. You know, th- there are, um, you know, Georgetown staffers and, you know, administrators sort of kind of, you know, in the background. So nothing crazy happens, which is pretty normal. But for the most part, it wasn't the kind of situation where like, okay, now everybody talks to McClung and now everybody talks to Allen. So you had, you had McClung at a table, Allen at a table, your seven at a table and Mosley at a table. 
and it's the first time we'd gotten a chance to talk to Alan. Um, he wasn't at the preseason and, you know, he wasn't on the team <laughs> until, you know, November or, you know, he, he yeah. Um, so I thought the way they did it was pretty good. Um, what What's sort of the best thing that you heard from anybody? Well, I, I mean, to, to to your point, I think, you know, what's lost sometimes when we talk about are they going to make the NCAA tournament or what, what do we think of the coaching or why did this guy, you know, in recent days, why did these things happen? You know, part of what the, the whole point of this whole relationship between the media and the school is we're the conduit to the players and to the program to then tell the outside world what's going on and to give at least some sense as to who these people are and things like that. And, you know, they've been very closed off the last couple of years. I mean, Georgetown, you know, let's be real, Georgetown's never exactly a, you know, throwing out the welcome mat for everybody relative to, you know, almost any any situation that, that, that I deal with or most of us deal with in the media or just in general, but it's been even more closed off lately. And this was, you know, the circumstances as they were with a lot more people and um, this other sort of thing hanging out o- over the over the situation, it's not like we're being like buddy-buddy with them per se, but this does give you more of an opportunity to let to have an actual semi-conversation for one person knows they're being recorded. Uh, have a semi-conversation. So, like, you know, in talking to Jake and Mosley about, about the situation, and I remember, like, the thing I asked him was, putting aside all the legal stuff, the day this you hear about this, you're a senior. This, this Georgetown comes with expectations. I know you want to make the tournament. You hear this happen. What's the first thing that goes through your mind? And he was just like, oh, man, it was like, you know, it was like it was in a movie. I couldn't believe what, what, what was happening. And, uh, you know, yeah, you, you, know, you go to college, you know, you think you're going to play, you think you're going to get minutes, you think you're going to go to the tournament, you think you'll win championships, and then life happens, and then this happens. But, uh, you know, then, you know, they also he also talked about, uh, you know, how things have, been, have, you know, turned around. And, you know, Mac McClung obviously was a guy that was huge for them. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's been a trying time to a degree for these guys, but because of the wind coming through it a little bit on the other end, you know, Mosley had, had a good smile, I think you're taping as well. Um, and you could see some relief, I'm sure, on their faces, uh, you know, that they could talk about some big wins in Syracuse rather than, you know, all the, all the other stuff. Yeah, um, I started with Mosley because no one else really was. I think there was one other person. might be the person that does the – there's like a there's a blog called Thompson's Towel. I don't know exactly who it is. I see him on Twitter and stuff. I think it might have been him. But um, just in talking to Mosley, and sort of just to back up a second, I know that you, you, you've covered the team longer than I have, and I'm almost at, I think I'm at eight or nine seasons now. This is probably, like the last couple of years has been, you know, you, you know the kids way less. Not that you ever like really, really know somebody, obviously, when you just meet them in these situations. But like if something like this had happened, there was a period where like you sort of felt like you knew, you know, DSR, Mikhail Hopkins, Lubick, Starks, Otto. More, there was a more, pe- important, more importantly, they knew you. Like, the, like if you if we saw Nate Lubick or Starks, I mean Starks in particular would like give people grief because he was like the you know he, he had a you know spunky personality and like something that had been said. He like if you wore a weird sweater, he might call you out for that. Oh yeah, which is something which is something that you know we all would do if people that we work with, and it is sort of like. In terms of seeing somebody, we'd see them two, three times a week. You'd have that connection. This has been different. Not only are these press conferences and availabilities 
very sparse, but it's it's been limited, so you don't have those connections. So you know, we'll see where, where this goes. But uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, no, no. You're right. So so just you know, so Jagan obviously is the face we've seen the most, but it, it hasn't been as much. And you know, his freshman year was JT3's last year, um, which they you know there was more of these availabilities. But since he was a freshman, you know, you didn't really see him until until January anyway. So there's no, there really isn't like a, a go-to guy that you sort of feel like, oh, hey, Hollis is here. I know he'll say something interesting type of uh, situation. But um, the biggest thing I kind of went there for was really um, to figure out who Allen is and sort of why he showed up. I mean, I felt like looking at the roster before the season started, it was just like, well, you know, McClung and Akinja are going to play a ton of minutes and you have Mosley's going to be a senior guard. And, you know, Ewing played him a lot last year. And as someone that, you know, thinks Javon Blair can be a really good three-point shooter, you're like, well, he's going to play too. So as a fifth year, why are you going to a school where, you know, you might not play a whole lot. And, you know, he, he was, you know, that's sort of thinking it from, you know, a media standpoint, but from a player standpoint, he's a local kid. He went to DeMatha, and the reason he gave was, you know, he 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 felt Georgetown was on the up and up, and it's something he wanted to be a part of, you know. So it's always worth remembering that all these all these players always have a lot of confidence as far as it's not so much like, well, I'm not going to go there because he's there. There is some of that, but most players think that wherever they go, if it's you know if they if they feel like the coach is running the right kind of style, that they're going to go in there and play no matter no matter who's there, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, right. there is. The, 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 there, there is always that element, but right. I mean, basketball. I mean, it, that may work at like some spots. Basketball is tricky though because you know, the point guard is going to be the guy that has the ball, and Akinjo, you know, this is not. I'm saying this in a negative way, but he's a ball dominant player. So right, it's not like you could have you know, Akinjo's going to play 20 minutes now, get 20 minutes, and split it. So yeah, from that, I mean, we're talking about a guy who was on a, a Central Florida team that nearly took down Duke in the tournament. Uh, so, you know, from that perspective, you would think there'd be all kinds of programs who would need him. No, not that he's the greatest point guard in the world, but like a guy who's been around, has shown an ability, but uh, yeah, that he came to a school that already had two smallish guards. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting um, for, for sure. Yeah. And um, you weren't over with me when he said it, but do you want to guess what he said about his, his attitude towards towards playing? He said, uh, added- he said, next man up. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> that, is what the, that is what the athletes say. It's always next man up. But ironically, this is, an, this is a case where, you know, I, I wouldn't say that Allen is, is going to be, you know, offers the same potential as a Kinjo. But this is the rare case. Not the rare case, but it's – Bobby's alluding to the fact that that line drives me crazy because sometimes the next man up line doesn't always make sense because you can't always replace everybody. Uh, you know, talent at some point factors in. But in this case, like we just said, Allen's a legitimate, proven Division One point guard. So, I mean, this is why that, you know, when, when this initially happened, obviously you don't quite know how, how the fallout's going to be, but my one thinking was, well, this dude actually can play. Like, they're not actually going to, it's not going to be some massive drop-off because this guy actually can, can be functional. So um, that the next man up in this case actually makes some kind of sense. Um, as far as far as um, I don't know if you want to talk Syracuse first, or you want to. Is there any more lingering, lingering thoughts on 
you know, sort of the team being up in the air. I think they've sort of, based on who I talk to, I feel like there's sort of like a us against everyone else mentality. You know, everyone, you know, asked them, you know, hey, do you think it was, do you, do you think there was a benefit to getting out of town for a week or would you rather have been home? And, you know, everyone, you try not to ask leading questions, but everybody felt like getting out of town was great. And, you know, you can't really argue with the results. Um, you know, so is there any, is there any more, any more insight you have towards, you know, maybe like, I guess part of me thinks that they played really well for two games They're you know, Oklahoma state and SMU didn't really have tape of how they're going to play. And I don't think everyone, you know, I think that the idea of like, now we know who Georgetown is, isn't exactly accurate because everyone's going to sort of adjust based on, you know, what Georgetown's doing. And then you're going to find out who Georgetown is after a couple more games of, if this roster stays, if they stay at nine, now clearly if they go down even further, that's going to be an issue. But you know, you know, you know what I mean. Sort of the idea of it's sort of you know the first the first results after sort of a big incident isn't necessarily like indicative of how it's going to continue. Uh, certainly not the first game, but I mean to win two games like that on the road says says a lot. I mean, look, you know, I, I could uh, play Roger Federer in tennis. He's never seen me before, but you know, I think he can figure out pretty quickly. I think. <laughs> Uh, Georgetown showed that regardless of what the opponent does or doesn't know about them, they have the ability to win and not just win, but they won convincingly. So, yeah. you know, I mean, to me, that was the reason why I I wasn't saying regardless or not, the season was like over because there wasn't enough talent on this team. You know, the question is simply, and, and this was a question that was, or, or topic that was posed to McClung a little bit was, can you guys sustain this, not just this momentum, but the consistency? Because the issue with Georgetown so far in the two-plus years of Patrick Ewing has been they could look good for one game, but then it kind of just falls apart to some degree. The next game, they don't string enough things together. And, you know, when you have guys like McClung, who's been a streaky scorer, have back-to-back high-scoring games, you know, that that's that, that that's obviously huge. I mean, realistically, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is my take, Bobby. Realistically, they're not going to win every game by 20 points, and McClung's not going to score 30 a game. Uh, there will be nights where his shot is off and there will be games where they struggle and they may even lose. They may even lose once or twice the rest of the season. But like the question is from like an effort standpoint, from like a team standpoint, can they play the same way over and over again? If they can do that, you know, the ball movement Patrick Ewing talked about, it's not me, it's we kind of thing. You know, if they can do that, then I think that, you know, I'll get barring injuries and things like that, that they can continue to be um, in, in, in the mix. It's just a matter of, did what you know from uh forget whatever the other team is doing just for their own style their own approach their own uh you know energy all that can that be sustainable if if what we see is is yes then then that's then that's interesting so uh you know obviously big test syracuse is not you know the classic good syracuse but you know you, you can't just walk you're not going to walk in that game play lethargic play inconsistent missed shots and and come away with a win well Speaking of that, Syracuse had lost three straight before last weekend. They've had a week off, just like Georgetown. Um, that Oklahoma State team that Georgetown was able to beat on the road, they lost to them pretty. It was a it was a blowout. I think it was at the Barclays. It was either a Barclays or Madison Square Garden. Oh, it was at the Barclays Center. Um, so they have a couple common opponents. Georgetown, and I think you pointed out on Twitter last night that Penn State's beaten Georgetown, Syracuse, and you threw it in Maryland because that's who they beat last night or two nights ago. Um, Georgetown beat Oklahoma State. 
Syracuse did not. Um, it's yeah, like it's not the best Syracuse team out there. But guess what? It's going to be a it's a it's a big game. All the players talked about it, and for Patrick Ewing, it's a big game, right? I mean, as a player, he was eight and three against Syracuse. As a coach, he's zero and two in two very winnable games. I mean, both games they were up double digits in the second half, particularly last year up in the Carrier Dome. I think they were up 15 in the second half, and it came down to a final possession. Um, I think it was Tyus Battle won and at the buzzer. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's a bigger game almost for just, you know, not that Patrick Ewing hasn't had good wins while he's, while he's been at Georgetown, but I think it's sort of it's next level. I remember when JT3 beat Syracuse the first time. I think they had, they'd beaten Duke that year. And then he said, well, this is Syracuse. This is different. And they're not in the same conference anymore, but I still think that that, that holds, this is Syracuse. This is different. That's, I think it's a, it's a big game for Patrick Ewing. Agree. Well, I mean, for sure. I mean, you know, part of, part of what, again, not to keep going back to this podcast right after the whole uh, charges and incidents and came came to light was, you know, we're going to learn a lot about Patrick Ewing, the coach over the next, over the next few weeks, the rest of the season, because he's going to have to adjust on the fly. The, the, you know, they just lost the guy they built so much around in Akinjo. They lost a key player in the block. Uh, you know, you got to keep the, you got to keep these other pieces. You got to f- figure out how to make these other pieces work. You got to keep the mentality of this team together so that so they don't just kind of give up on the season. Especially, I mean, one of the things I think Mosley said was like even some of their, you know, they felt that like even some of their fans thought they were doomed for the season or turned against them a little bit. You know, and, and and so on. So, you know, he had to keep them that whatever you want to say us against the world mentality. He had to get them uh, in the right frame of mind. He's done that at least through these first two games. I can't remember if I flipped after the suspensions or not. I feel like me and you were holding strong of they could still do something where I think Andrew was the season's over. I think we were actually being positive, which is probably not our specialty. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that, that, uh, for those, for anybody who's listened to the three of us talk to Woodtown over the various podcasts <laughs> that you, you guys have, or that I've had over the years, I think it, it showed, it, 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 it showed, it's not so much positive or negative. It's realist versus emotional Okay. that you and I tend to view it as, well, wait, this is sort of a black and white situation where Andrew goes up and down when people say they stink, how dare you say we stink. When uh, you know when, when things go a different way, oh, well, the sky is falling, um, and I think it was some of some of that type of um, okay. some type of that situation. But look, I mean, you know, look, I mean, Syracuse, what they're five and four. You know, mm-hmm. the, this is like you said, not, definitely not a classic Syracuse team. But just like Georgetown, they're coming off a huge win. They blew out Georgia Tech. I mean, I'm pretty sure Dennis Scott and Kenny Anderson don't play for Georgia Tech anymore. But uh, regardless, oh, jo- you know, it's the great Josh Pastner, right? He's still the coach there. So, um, so, uh, so, you know, it's a, that was a big win. Um, you know, Bayheim's kid, he's not really, he's struggling with the three pointer point shot, but he's a guy that can score. They got the swing man, Elijah Hughes, who, uh, had, I think he had 33 against Georgia Tech. He's making a bunch of shots, like 44% from three. So whatever they, they got guys that can play for what, you know, they've got their own problems, but you know, I mean, you know, prior to, you know, prior, I mean, let's not forget Georgetown, the three games ago lost the UNC Greensboro at home. So it's not like all of a sudden Georgetown's got it figured out, and that's why, I mean, it's a big game on a lot of levels. If they actually win this game, one point, 20 points, whatever it is, 
to have pulled together a three-game winning streak after what happened, and but and just in general, like what you know, it, it almost seems sort of silly to talk about a, 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 a tournament resume considering all the things going on. But from that perspective, if you beat if you win this game from a tournament resume, right? This is their last notable game prior to the Big East tournament, uh, prior to the Big East conference, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so the, yeah, so, you know, you're right. So this is kind of, you know, I don't think the players should look ahead, but if you get to seven and three, you, you're, you know, odds are that you've got a really good chance of being 10 and three, which is probably about, you know, if you said before the season, Georgetown's going to go 10 and three in the non-conference, you say, okay, well that based on who they played and you're assuming that they got the Duke game that puts them in, you know, really good shot to make the tournament or, you know, to be on the bubble through all, you know, throughout the season. Right. And so, I mean, at this point, it, you know, again, not to look ahead, but at this point, their only losses would have been to Duke, a Penn State team that's beating a lot of people, including Maryland, who was, what, number three in the country, and uh, a UNC Greensboro team, which at home, you know, yeah. not great, but they're like top 100 last time I looked in Ken Palm. So, you know, no, effectively, they would have no bad losses, so to speak. I mean, you know, we could argue that the UNC Greensboro, but effectively no bad losses plus wins over, what, Texas, Oklahoma State, SMU, and then hypothetically Syracuse. So, yeah, I mean, it, it would be, uh, you know, if we view it from that perspective, th- this is a big game and, and would go a long way towards them, um, you know, uh, you know, if they can, you know, obviously have a good year in the Big East. And, and you know, these next three games, I, I, the, here's the one benefit. This will sound terrible, and I don't mean this in any legal sense or whatever, but the one benefit of everything that went down the way that it did is I would be. I think Patrick Ewing is not going to have an issue getting the remaining players to focus because of the. I mean, like they have gone through a lot. That they've had to deal with a lot, and they definitely have to pull together. Seems like they have done that. So you know, unless we're talking about kids who just literally can't focus at all in any way, shape, or form, I don't think that's going to be an issue for this team at, at this point because you know <laughs> he should have their undivided attention because of the, you know they're all exposed to a lot. So, um, you know, if they can keep, you know, again, so you win this game, you you, you know, you basically cap off the, the tough part of the non-conference play in strong fashion and, um, you know, sets yourself up nicely. You have about three games to sort of test a few things uh, before the Big E starts, and then, you know, you're on your way. Okay, so real big question. Who do you see in the middle of, you know, at the free throw line? trying to get the ball there what's who's who's who do you think is going to get the first chance at wearing that hat i think it's going to be i think it's going to be uh your seven well remind me again i I, when i I think of that idea i think of chris wright because this is uh they're not going to do that they're not they're not putting mcclung at the free throw line well what i'm saying is that i i my brain remembers things that happened 10 years ago more than remember what happened yesterday so my question is, what do you recall how Ewing attacked it last year? Did he go that – my point is that was a JT3 thing that I'm thinking about. Is that how Ewing went right. last year? I honestly sort of blanking uh, on that game. I remember the, the crazy end, but I don't Yeah, I they don't had, they had um, Jesse there. Right, right. So, I mean, so, I mean, your Taven obviously, you know, is a uh, – you know, he, he's been a pretty consistent presence. For them offensively, seems to have a pretty reasonable head with the ball in his hand. So, you know, I think you could imagine the ball would go to him in the middle. And, and because he's such a good scorer, 
you know, Syracuse is obviously pretty disciplined in that zone, but just by a lot of nature, you're going to sort of, you know, move in his direction because he isn't, he isn't just a guy, he's a talented scorer. And then, you know, he's going to be able to throw it out to some guys, hopefully they get open look. Um, so I would imagine it would be him. I'm not really sure who else at the moment. I mean, maybe Mosley, but I don't know. I feel like Mosley's a little bit of a little turnover prone. I don't know if I would trust Pickett in that spot. Allen doesn't seem like, I mean, you could go to him, but I, I don't know if I would, if I see that. So I guess I would say you're doing Yeah, it has to be. And I think, and on, on all, when, when Georgetown has the ball, I, I don't think Syracuse has anyone that, that can really guard him. And this might sound very obvious, but I think particularly in this game, I think that your Saban needs to stay out of foul trouble for George to give Georgetown the bet their, their best chance to win. I think a, your Saban in foul trouble is going to be a problem for them. Particularly, I think it'll be hard, even though Wahab has been pretty good off the bench, very much, you know, much more than a serv- than a serviceable freshman big. But I think this game against that zone might be a little bit too difficult for him, particularly early on. So I think it's really all about Amir Yurt Seven. And then, you know, the whole what's what's a good shot against the zone? I don't know if you remember that conversation from probably six or seven years ago. Um, but uh there's going to be a lot of really deep threes available for both Pickett and Blair and McClung. And, you know, it sort of, it sort of comes down to that, right? For sure. I mean, you know, you know, you know, sometimes we, you know, everybody tries to make it complicated. You got to make shots against that zone from the perimeter. And, uh, you know, I mean, Blair obviously went nuts the last game. Now he's similar to the way we are talking about McClung. He's proven to being consistent throughout his career, especially last year. So we'll see if he, you know, can he come in and have another game where he's uh, making shots? I mean, one thing, I, you know, again, not to uh, dump on Akinjo or anything, who obviously was a, a really, really good player, but, you know, anybody who's ever played basketball, pick up or otherwise, knows when somebody's dominating the ball and you don't get it a ton, it is a little, a little hard to get a rhythm, or sometimes you feel like, oh, I got the ball in my hands, I need to do something with it. So the fact that the ball has been moving the last couple of games you know, maybe play, you know, but that's a good way to help get a, get a rhythm uh, for sure. So, uh, you know, the hopefully, you know, so we'll see, we'll see if that helps. I mean, like, you know, if you tell me Blair, I, I'm not thinking he'll make, you know, all those threes he made again, but, you know, just a couple, you know, a couple of games be the threat, uh, you know, that, that, that would go a long way towards this, them being an interesting offense. And uh, yeah, and that would definitely, uh, that would definitely help for sure. Uh, will you – let me ask you this question. When you go to this game, will you make sure that there's not even a speck of orange on your attire, or do you not care, or do you not think about it? I think you think about it. So just to be clear, my fire red shoes that I have no longer are with us. Um, the tread on those went pretty quick. I got a lot of flack for those being orange. They were not orange. They were fire red. So – whatever color that is um i actually um orange isn't something i really have much of this is a real christmasy time i have a ton of christmas colors i try and go that route i might even go red pants it will they will not be orange though wow um red (laughs) pants all right well i've got i've got a pair that happens I've got a pair of red pants with like, you know, with like a green shirt. It's very, it's very Christmassy. I like to be festive seasons, greetings, you know, it's cool. 
Um, speaking of wardrobes, do you think Georgetown's going to come out and they're fighting title blues against uh, Syracuse, or do you think they might go gray throwback? Uh, I, you know what? I'm a big fan of the, of the blues. I mean, uh, you know, I, again, as somebody who's old, you know, I remember when they would when when they wore those in the Patrick Ewing era. I felt like, in particular, the beginning of the Patrick Ewing era, and uh, that that's what it always makes me think of. So I, you know, I, they they wore them the other day. I I'd, I'd be down with that. Keep keep that going. Uh, so that that would be me. But I feel like you know, in this day and age with uniforms, uh, there there's always this like you know trend to try to you know wear something different fancy or whatever so i don't know i say keep i say keep the uh what are we calling that title blue that we're calling blue um yeah i say i say keep that going i mean you're on a good run i say go that way usually in these pre-syracuse media veils or the pre-st john's it's always you know old school georgetown syracuse old school georgetown st john's and you talk to patrick to try and get his some sort of memory What's probably it doesn't have to be that old. Let's say since you've been covering Georgetown, what's sort of been the the most interesting game or you know situation or anything that sort of sticks out to you? Well, I mean, in recent years, I mean, the Otto Porter performance—that uh, was the game where it really he went from just being like, "Wow, Otto Porter's having a really good year," to "Holy crap." Is this guy the best player, not just in the conference? Is he like our, you know, one of the? Is he the best player in the country? And and obviously it kind of went that way with, you know, all the ac- all the way the all the season went, the accolades, I and mean, then we'll forget how the season ended. But uh, but uh, th- th- I mean that was just such a performance because uh, you know that that whole Georgetown team having lost Greg Whittington, they didn't really have a ton of you know, uh, options. I mean, we never called them Otto and the Miracles the way we did with Reggie and the Miracles. I think I think we did. Time. I, I, well, maybe I think we, we did were... as a joke kind of thing, yeah. but uh, but I, it didn't, I don't know if that stuck with us. But anyway, yeah, but it, it, it didn't. Was just, neither. It, and the fact by the was, way, Ben, neither did Ben did Paul White the natural. That didn't stick either. Oh, that, that well, that one fell apart. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. But uh, but no, I mean, but but uh, you know, you know, there, there's always this thing about going, playing games, particularly in the Carrier Dome. It always feels like it's like you know an extra advantage for for Syracuse and for obvious reasons. And, you know, like, oh, no, how are we going to handle all that? And then he went out there and just, you know, crushed their soul. So uh, that, that, that stood out to me. There's certainly some other ones. The, the Chris Wright, you mentioned, uh, you know, being at the free throw line. And, um, you know, um, I mean, I can go back further. Uh, no, Charles Smith, we'll stop you there. Well, I was just the, the, the Charles <laughs> Smith play where he drives the length of the court and goes you know, sort of up and under uh, to, to hit the lamp at the buzzer. I mean, that was another great one. Yeah, um, I think. I think for me, and uh, I almost got trampled at the end of it, uh, that that last Georgetown-Syracuse game, the last game of the Big East, Georgetown had to win it to win to win the one seed for the conference tournament. And, you know, game day was there. It was just, just like, you know, this doesn't this isn't a normal feel for the building. And the way the game was not even a game, I think it was 61 to 39, and it wasn't even that close. And at the end of the game, I almost got trampled, and I had to grab my computer as the desk went flying, and I believe one of those chairs fell on my – I think I screamed, and you were like, did you just make that noise? And I'm like, it really hurt, man. Like, that like that really hurt. I'm pretty sure I saved your life that night, so uh, <laughs> you still know me. But uh... – um, <laughs> Speaking of the scene – 
Capital One Arena has not been has not witnessed a crowd yet for a Georgetown game. Based on what I've looked at, cause I, I I get the emails from the university still about you know trying to trying to get people to buy tickets and all those types of things. And a couple of days ago, I clicked on one of the on one of the links and I sort of looked like, oh, let's see if I was trying to buy tickets, where could I end up sitting? So it looks like a lot of the seats are sold out. And I'm of the opinion that while obviously it's important to have a home court advantage, even if it's like 50-50, it'll actually make the arena feel like there's something happening. So I would I don't think it's a terrible thing if there's Syracuse fans there. I know no one listening to this wants to hear that, but that's sort of the way that I'm I'm viewing it. For for sure. And by the way, like you and I talked about this you and I talked about this offline. College basketball to me is in a very weird place. I mean, you know, you everybody has has heard these things, you know, because the the top players leave all the time, um, you know, or after one year and you know, the the storylines don't stay together. And I think this year in particular with college basketball seems like it's a pretty down year when you consider there's no like Zion Williamson type player. The top teams is the Duke, the Michigan State, they're all, you know, struggling. Nobody it doesn't look like there's any great teams, yada yada yada. And to me it comes down to what what is the familiar thing I can lean on? And that's like a handful of like coaches and, and Jim Beheim, I mean literally he has been the only he has been the what one of the true uh points of light that I can aim at throughout my entirety of my life in terms of watching college basketball, it, it is nuts that he's still doing this and that his kid, I don't know what number of kids this is for him, but that his kid is is, is on the team. I mean, we, we've seen Pat, uh, John Thompson coach his kid, and now we have Bayheim coaching his. It's just bizarre and amazing that he's still there. I mean, I thought he was going to retire you know, a few years ago, but yet here he is. And, uh, you know, uh, based on the year Syracuse is having, maybe he wishes he retired, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it's, it's – uh, I used to – you know, loathed Jim Beheim when I had when my fan hat on now. I'm like, oh, hey, it's like an old friend. Cool, Jim Beheim's still here. That's nice. I can't believe he's still coaching there, but I don't think he's ever going to leave. I think something's, you know, either Syracuse is going to, like, cease to exist or it's just hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine him not being associated there. No, I mean, I can't. I mean, you know, I can't, it's hard to even comprehend what 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 that world will look like when he goes away. And like for me, I think college basketball at that point will. I mean, it's already weird because, like I said, for it's just hard to even know what you're watching anymore on a lot, a lot of levels. But um, but yeah, Jim Beheim's still there. He'll. I mean, the fact that like, you know, I remember Bay, Patrick Ewing playing against Jim Beheim. So the fact that now they're you know going head to head here, it's just uh, you know a, a, a bizarro world circumstance for sure. Well, Ben, I think we've come to the end. I think that we've given all of the X's and O's anyone can possibly handle tonight on this Georgetown Syracuse podcast. Do you want to make a prediction or no? Well, here's the real question. This is the only thing that people tune to this podcast for. <laughs> Have you changed your mind again oh. with regards to whether Georgetown's making the tournament? You know, so I was actually thinking about that when I was putting some more exterior Christmas lights up earlier. So I started with them in the tournament. After Penn State, I had them out. And then after New York, 
I had them back in. Did I flip back to out again? I don't think I did. I think you flipped out. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I thought you did after the recent situation. I'm not sure no, if I made a prediction. I'm pretty at that sure point I was. I'm pretty sure I was. Look, if these nine guys, if you know, if Gardner and Alexander stick through through the end of the year, I don't. I wasn't ready to throw in the towel. So I think now someone, you know, someone listening could come up and say, "Hey, you know, Bobby, you're an idiot. You said they were out on this minute of this podcast," and I'd I'd really be impressed by that. But I think I don't. Very, very unbobbyish. I think I kept them in. I don't think I flipped. That's all right. Well, I don't think I, I don't <laughs> think I did either. So I think I'm still in a good. Uh, I think I'm still in good standing. So uh, but, uh, you're still you know, okay. Somebody else. Standing. There, there, there you go. <laughs> um, I think um, you know you don't have to go to prediction if you want. I think Georgetown is gonna. I think I think Ewing's going to get his first win against Syracuse. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know who's going to be the hero, but I think that I think you know after two close losses, I think that he's going to he's going to break through. Yeah, I'll go. Your Taven scores twenty two points. Georgetown by six. Wow, that might be what the spread is. I'm sure the spread will be something like that. Um, okay, I'm getting you know I got producers in my ear telling me we just got to go. So. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Kente Corner. Find, subscribe, rate, all that stuff. Go to The Athletic. Ben's over there. We'll see you next time.